Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Matt Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys. Woo! Are you guys ready to get haunted? I'm super ready to get haunted. I've been ready to get haunted. I'm down for you to haunt me. This, I feel like, is going to be a longer episode because it was one of those things where, like, I started uncovering something and then there was a word that I didn't know and then I Googled it and then it led to more words I didn't know and I Googled those and and it's just, like, got deeper and deeper and deeper until I was like, oh, what the fuck am I talking about? Those are the best (laughs) stories, though. Those are the best stories where you start off researching, like, the time a king was murdered and then you you end up with like the Statue of Liberty actually having a secret room inside her vagina. That is the energy that we are going for today. I hope that you guys are ready to get fucking haunted. I'm super ready. Give me that Liberty vagina energy. Let's go. The intro to this is designed to take us back. Let's get into the mindset of 1979. 43 years ago, It was the summer of 1979 in Elberton, a city of Albert County, located in northeastern Georgia. It was a world which was in many ways much different than our own. McDonald's had only recently introduced the Happy Meal that very June. Your kids will love McDonald's Happy Meal. It's food and fun in a box. It's a hamburger or cheeseburger, regular-sized fries, regular-sized soft drink, and a McDonaldland cookie sampler. It all comes in a Happy Meal box with games, puzzles, jokes, and a prize. Gas was 88 cents per gallon. But other notable world events of 1979 reflect a world much like our own. A world that was growing and innovating at a pace never seen before. The Continental is part of a new automotive reality, a vehicle design concept of tomorrow come alive today. In 1979, Sony released the first Walkman, which allowed listeners to take their music on the go. That same year, the U.S. brand Burton invented the first snowboard, and the cable channel ESPN was launched. However, it wasn't all Happy Meals and Walkmans. The world of 1979 was growing so quickly that humanity struggled to keep up. In 1979, China implemented the one-child policy in response to a population over 800 million, which the government deemed was too high, with their slogan, quote, late, long, and few, end quote, encouraged couples to have one child and urged them to cap their family at two children. 1979 also saw NASA's first space station, the Skylab, crash back into the Earth due to damage sustained during launch in the meteoroid shield and solar panels. Although no one was hurt and it was a planned fall back into Earth's atmosphere, the fact that they didn't make technology to bring the Skylab back to Earth shows how different they viewed space exploration. Political upheaval and social change occupied the majority of global conflicts, spreading paranoia deep into society's unconscious minds. Shockingly, June 20th, 1979, saw the repeated broadcast of American journalist 
Bill Stewart and his 26-year-old Nicaraguan interpreter, Juan Francisco Espinoza's murder played on every major news network. Can you repeat that? It was an interpreter for who? So there was this American journalist for ABC News named Bill Stewart, and he was in Nicaragua with a, like a news crew from ABC News, and he had a 26-year-old Nicaraguan interpreter named Juan Francisco Espinoza with him, and they were murdered, and their news crew filmed it, and they replayed the broadcast on like CBS and NBC and ABC. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. I know of the one there was like one where a lady was killed on air and her cameraman i've seen that one before but well, no i've never seen that yeah i was just like looking into cool shit to say for like 1979 and yeah. i found this story and then i was like what the fuck so i went gonna, down that rabbit hole yeah and now i have to tell you the All rest right. of it tell me tell me <laughs> stewart was an abc news journalist who was reporting on the nicaraguan revolution as sandinista rebel forces were closing in on the capital although stewart's news van was marked as a press vehicle which was standard precaution at the time the previous day a government newspaper had run an article that claimed foreign journalists were, quote, part of the vast network of communist propaganda, end quote. Stewart and his interpreter Espinoza exited the van and approached a barricade where they asked for an interview from the Nicaraguan government National Guard forces. Stewart presented his official press credentials, which were issued by the office of the Nicaraguan president himself. The cameraman, Jack Clark, begun filming from inside the van, expecting a standard interview. However, a guardsman ordered Stewart and Espinoza to separate. Stewart was ordered to kneel and then ordered to lie down, face down on the ground. A soldier approached Stewart and kicked him in the ribs, then took a step backwards and shot Stewart behind his right ear, killing Stewart instantly. Espinoza was also shot to death by a different soldier off camera. The driver of the van testified that the soldiers said Stewart was not a journalist, but that he was, quote, a dog, end quote. The soldiers also commanded the news crew to report that the Sandinista sniper had killed Stewart and Espinoza. Stewart was 37. Espinoza was 26. The footage of their executions was smuggled out of the country and sent to New York, where ABC, NBC, and CBS ran the footage on their evening news repeatedly. The impact of the footage being broadcast was palpable. Millions of viewers in the U.S. were outraged towards the Somoza regime. All three networks removed their correspondents from the country in protest, with CBS leaving only one of their correspondents to cover the conflict. President Jimmy Carter described the murder as, quote, an act of barbarism that all civilized people condemn, end quote. Okay, all I can think about right now is I keep forgetting Jimmy Carter wasn't president in like olden times. That's pretty recent. 1979? Right. Are you kidding me? That's almost 1980, which is almost 1990, which is almost 2000. I know, but then you realize that people born in 2000 are 20 fucking two years old. Let me move on from that. It just made me realize like how time is a flat circle and everything happens at once. And then I started spiraling. The story itself is also extremely scary. First of all, being a journalist in a war zone, you got to have some major balls. That shit 
does not sound like a walk in the park. I know people like to think, oh, of course they're safe. They have their press badges or they have like, you know, approval from the government to be there. But at the end of the day, like it's all just like a handshake, right? Like right. and you can go back on that really easily. If you're covering something where people are like, fuck the system, I'm going to kill everyone, fuck the government, and you are protected by that government that the rebel forces are trying to overtake, that's pretty sketch. Yeah, yeah. Either way, whether you're covering it from, well, I think they're supposed to be neutral when they go into war zones, but obviously you can't be neutral, right? Like it's going to be like, no, you're just going to be a pawn. Like I feel like terrorist forces always take any sort of journalist and like execute them just to like make a point because they're like, oh, you're basically like a publicity pawn and we're going to use you. Wait, but he was executed by the government, right? Yeah, so it was really fucked up. So the rebel forces were like, oh, the government's corrupt and fucked up. And so their National Guard, like they had pulled up to, to the National Guard and been like, oh, can we get an interview on like what your thoughts are of like the rebel forces like taking over? And until then, I don't think people really like realized the extent of the corruption and like how fucked up everything was there. Then when they got that on tape, the Nicaraguan National Guard, who was like uh, the government essentially was like, oh, no, no, say that the rebels, like a rebel right. sniper killed them. Yeah. And I don't think they knew that they had the footage. And so they had to like smuggle it out. And then that's what was able to raise this public outrage against that regime. That's wild. That's wild. And I feel like there's still examples of that today. I was just reading something like a couple months ago about a journalist being shot to death in the Gaza Strip, I'm pretty sure. And then one side was trying to say it was Palestinians, right. like rebel forces. The other side was trying to say no it was the Israeli government yeah. like armed forces it's like that stuff still happens and yeah. it's crazy that's yeah. nuts I also just want to give a shout out to the interpreters that help our government and our news agencies because they're at just as much of a risk and uh, as we saw with pulling out of Afghanistan and Iraq those people get left behind and yeah. that sucks they get murdered because they helped us with interpreting so that's fucked up being an interpreter would be fucking so sketch like if you're talking to someone and they're like Tell him that I said I'm going to nuke his whole fucking country. And what if they interpret it wrong? Or what if they're just like, he said that he's willing to work on the relationship as long as you're going to do this. Right. You know, like they could actually have a huge pull in like how conflict turns out. So this is on obviously a much smaller scale and not as serious. But I've sat in on like depositions and court cases where there's a Spanish to English interpreter. Mm -hmm. They translate things incorrectly way more often than you think they would. Like what's an example of how something could get translated incorrectly and like have the a different meaning. I'm trying to think of how to say it without like revealing the different stuff I've been a part of but it'll be like some sort of argument about like what someone's job duties were or something. I'm just using something simple that's not real. The English question is can you ask them what they did in their job as a soldier and then the question will be interpreted as like what did you do when you were fighting and then the person answering is like oh when I was actively fighting like oh well when I was actively fighting like I would do this and that it's like no they're asking you like what your job duties were as a soldier like it just stuff gets misinterpreted right and then when you're reading it back it doesn't really answer the question Right. And they get fucked because their interpreter was playing games. It's interesting to your point. Like it's first of all, it's a dangerous job. Second of all, we're putting a lot of faith in interpreters. Third of all, the interpreters are putting a lot of faith in us in wartime. This is a perfect place to put that uh, patriotic band that I like to play when <laughs> Alyssa goes on a tangent about how we should appreciate something more. We should appreciate our foreign interpreters. They're working really hard. And a lot of people that are here in the States doing interpretation are doing a bad job about it. And they're doing a bad job 
confidently. And that's my least favorite kind of person doing a job. Have some humility about it. Okay, so our little 1979 trip has just one more stop before I gather your thoughts and reflect on our journey. This photo is from outside the Fulton County Courthouse near Atlanta, Georgia. The photo was taken March 19th, 1979. Allie, do you recognize this photo? That looks like a guy in a wheelchair surrounded by the Beatles. (laughs) pretty close for those of you guys who want to see this photo you can go to our instagram at let's get haunted and that photo will be there i'll give you a hint the man in the wheelchair is larry flint it looks like um the the guy from the big bang theory sheldon Mm -hmm. that's it that's all i wanted to say larry flint okay so larry flint is he the reason why there's flint michigan Mm, he could be but i don't know that answer the other men in the photo are not the beatles but they're actually his security which had been recently increased due to an assassination attempt, which left Larry paralyzed. Lawrenceville attorney Gene Reeves was on the sidewalk in a pool of blood. Ambulance crews had picked up Flint moments earlier. He had been shot once in the stomach. The bullet which hit Reeves had apparently gone through an arm and slammed into his side. Flint had spent all morning on the witness stand and was due up again in a few minutes until the shots rang out. Even people who were only a few feet away weren't positive what had happened. All I seen was one man who was hollering, help me, and then a friend of mine that was standing, that was going, my girl said that there was another one shot, and I told him to get back in the house because they might shoot him. Did you see anybody running away that like might have been the, the, the gunman? I seen one person running around the corner, and he was going so fast you couldn't really tell what he looked like. Flint and Reeves were rushed into the emergency room at Button Gwinnett Hospital. Flint was conscious, but barely. Do you know who Larry Flint is? No. I didn't either, but I looked it up. So Larry Flint was the president of Larry Flint Publications, which produces mainly pornographic content, most famously Hustler magazine. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say here that Larry has had his fair share of legal battles and scandals regarding, but not limited to, some things that would definitely outshine this whole paragraph. So in an interest of just keeping our attention, I am only going to focus on Larry's 1978 assassination attempt for this episode. According to Wikipedia, Larry Flint was paralyzed from the waist down when a white supremacist serial killer attempted to assassinate him outside of the courthouse in 1978 while Larry was in an ongoing legal battle revolving around obscenity charges. During his morning on the witness stand, Flint admitted he had done some things wrong with Hustler magazine, but promised changes have been made since his conversion to Christianity. Well, there's one th- there's a difference between doing something wrong and doing something that's obscene and illegal. I think it's wrong to portray a woman like this. And this is something that I had to realize and accept and ask forgiveness for when I accepted Christ into my life. But I don't think it's illegal. I think it's wrong to drink liquor, but not illegal. So I'm faced with the same type of decision here. Some of the jurors who an hour earlier had listened to Flint's testimony were nearby on the street when the shooting happened. They left horrified. Presiding Judge Hewell Harrison was there under state patrol guard. Just minutes later, he looked for a minute and then drove off to declare the case against Larry Flint a mistrial. No one in county offices is able to predict whether another trial for Larry Flint will be held. The would-be killer, Joseph Paul Franklin, 
confessed to the shootings several years later, claiming that he had been outraged by a photo shoot in Hustler magazine featuring an interracial couple. Franklin stated, quote, I saw that interracial couple having sex. It just made me sick. I threw the magazine down and thought, I'm going to kill that guy, end quote. Most haunted of all, Flint himself believed the attack was actually part of a larger conspiracy which involved ultra-right elements surrounding U.S. Representative Larry McDonald, also behind the Karen Silkwood case, with ties to the intelligence community, and that Franklin may have been subject to MKUltra-style mind control. Now, when I read that sentence, let me tell you how confused but excited I was. And that's what I meant by there were so many words I didn't know. And I had to Google them all and figure out what was happening. Like, I did not know what was happening, but I was screaming, like, inside. So a guy published something with an interracial couple having sex? So Larry Flint is the president of Hustler Magazine. He Mm -hmm. died a few years ago, so he's no longer with us. During his life, he did a bunch of shit. Uh, I don't know. I, like, sort of started Googling him and then, like, immediately regretted it because he was kind of like Elon Musk like he said a bunch of shit all the time and he was like really famous and he was kind of like outside of the box at the time like he was in very conservative Georgia and he was like putting out this pornographic magazine he was pissing people off it doesn't seem like 1979 was that long ago but as you'll soon find out in the rest of this episode Georgia is like on its own timeline (laughs) yeah and he I guess just pissed a bunch of people off this was during the Cold War and we've talked about the Cold War a lot on this podcast but there was like a huge scare of whether or not the world was going to become communist and that there was going to be like a communist like revolution and like were we going to get nuked were we going to nuke other people and so he was like outspoken very liberal he believed that the assassination attempt was actually coming from within the government because he was such a rich powerful figure and that he was like so liberal that they were like we gotta get rid of this guy interesting so I looked up the U.S. representative Larry McDonald and also the Karen Silkwood case just because I was like what are they talking about I've never heard of this and I know what MK Ultra is, so I need to know. So you might be wondering, who is US Representative Larry McDonald and Karen Silkwood? Basically, these are two people who appear to have been assassinated for their beliefs, which further illustrates how paranoid everyone in 1979 was. I'm just gonna give you a really quick little blurb on both of these people because it's really setting the stage for the rest of this episode. Lawrence Patton McDonald a.k.a. Larry McDonald, was an American politician and a member of the U.S. House of Representatives who represented Georgia's 7th Congressional District as a Democrat from 1975 until he was killed while a passenger on board Korean Airlines Flight 007 when it was shot down by Soviet interceptors. Oh, no, this is my nightmare. McDonald maintained one of the most conservative voting records in Congress and crusaded against communism. For example of what kind of guy Lawrence Patton McDonald was, all you need to know is that he opposed the establishment of a Martin Luther King Jr. Day because he said the FBI had evidence that King was associated with and being manipulated by communists and secret communist agents. U.S. Representative Larry McDonald's KAL-007 flight took off at 4 a.m. local time for its scheduled nonstop flight over the Pacific to Seoul's Kimpo International Airport. It was a flight that would take approximately eight hours. 
there were a bunch of weird things that happened before this flight. Like the flight was delayed several times and the entire crew was switched out before takeoff. And many passengers changed to different flights before takeoff, including two of McDonald's associates. When they asked him, hey, do you want to get off this flight and go to a different one that's leaving sooner? He was like, oh no, I'm just tired. I'm just going to stay on the plane and sleep. I kind of, okay, this is giving me anxiety because as everyone knows, very afraid of airplanes. But also that would be me because I have so much anxiety going to an airport that I have to know everything super far in advance. And if something changes last minute, I get really uncomfortable. So if someone was like, hey, do you want to change, get on like a flight that's sooner? I would be like, no, that's okay. Because in my mind, I'd be like, I'm supposed to be on this flight. You final destination to yourself. You're right. On September 1st, 1983, McDonald and the rest of the passengers and crew of KAL 007 were killed when Soviet fighters under the command of General Anatoly Kornikov shot down the flight near Monaron Island after the plane entered Soviet airspace. My fellow Americans, I'm coming before you tonight about the Korean airline massacre, the attack by the Soviet Union against 269 innocent men, women, and children aboard an unarmed Korean passenger plane. This crime against humanity must never be forgotten, here or throughout the world. Our prayers tonight are with the victims and their families in their time of terrible grief. Our hearts go out to them, to brave people like Catherine McDonald, the wife of a congressman whose composure and eloquence on the day of her husband's death moved us all. He will be sorely missed by all of us here in government. Let me state as plainly as I can, there was absolutely no justification, either legal or moral, for what the Soviets did. Adding to this conspiracy, some of the families of the victims of the shootdown maintain that there's reason to believe that McDonald and the others of Flight 007 had survived the shootdown. This viewpoint has received some coverage in the conservative news agency known as Accuracy in Media and also the New American and also the magazine of the John Birch Society, which I looked into these and they're all fringier than a Western rodeo. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. This is not the first time the Soviet Union is shot at and hit a civilian airliner when it overflew its territory. The Soviets still refuse to tell the truth. They have persistently refused to admit that their pilot fired on the Korean aircraft. Indeed, they've not even told their own people that a plane was shot down. They have spun a confused tale of tracking the plane by radar until it just mysteriously disappeared from their radar screens, that no one fired a shot of any kind. But then they coupled this with charges that it was a spy plane sent by us and that their planes fired tracer bullets past the plane as a warning that it was in Soviet airspace. But who is Karen Silkwood? Who is Karen Silkwood? According to Wikipedia, Karen Gay Silkwood was an American chemical technician and a labor union activist known for raising concerns about corporate practices related to health and safety and a nuclear facility in Oklahoma. Karen Silkwood was a plutonium lab technician at Oklahoma's energy giant Kerr-McGee Corporation. In September 1974, she agreed to become a spy for her union to collect evidence of unsafe and illegal practices at the plant. A month later, she was mysteriously contaminated with a microscopic amount of plutonium, the world's most toxic substance. The plutonium was traced back to a piece of bologna in her refrigerator. Karen then testified to the Atomic Energy Commission and gathered a bunch of documents that would incriminate her employers and perhaps the Atomic Energy Commission practices 
as a whole. A week after her contamination, Karen Silkwood was killed in a car crash while on her way to deliver her evidence to a reporter for the New York Times. The manila folder she was carrying was never found. Her body had high doses of the chemical compound found in quaaludes, as well as marijuana. Investigation revealed that Karen's car was pushed off the road by another car, but then returned to driving, as noted by skid marks on the concrete, and then was hit again from behind. Her car had damage that had not been present that day, and microscopic inspection revealed paint from another car. According to Wikipedia, quote, Silkwood's relatives, too, confirmed that she had taken the missing documents to the union meeting and placed them on the seat behind her. According to her family, she had received several threatening phone calls very shortly before her death. Public suspicions led to a federal investigation into the plant safety and security. National Public Radio reported that the investigation had found 20 to 30 kilograms, 44 to 66 pounds, of plutonium that had been misplaced at the plant, suggesting that perhaps Karen's home and body had been contaminated by forces who were unhappy that she was perhaps head of a labor union trying to fuck them. The Silkwood defense team commenced a lawsuit against Kerr McGee asking for damages for her contamination and death. Last May, that trial resulted in a ten and one half million dollar verdict against Kerr McGee. I think I've heard of that one. Were they called like the Atomic Ladies or the Atomic Women or something? No, that was a different. That's the Radium Girls. Oh, the Radium and Girls. That's okay. a different fucked up situation where but that seems so similar. And we didn't learn from the Radium Girls. The Radium Girls were different because they were in the twenties, and so they were like painting with radium because it glowed. So they would like paint watch faces and jewelry, mm-hmm. and like even put makeup on that was like made of radium because it glows. And we didn't fucking know any better. So their job was like they were employed to do this. Karen was saying that she was being poisoned with plutonium by someone coming to her house and putting it in there. Her like smoking gun was she had these gloves that had like high plutonium in them. They tested the outside and the inside of the gloves and it came from inside the gloves, the plutonium. So some people say, oh, well, she planted the plutonium on herself in order to do this. And she was like, no, like that's not what's happening. Like someone has like been fucking with my shit in my house. And like, apparently if you like look into this more outside of this episode, because this doesn't have anything to do with our episode, but it fucking is interesting they like her house was unlocked for a period of time and like people could have gotten in there people just really didn't like her because she was like a super like liberal state trooper rick fagan who was one of the first at the scene had testified and reported that he picked up scattered papers near the crashed car and afterward he put those papers back in the honda but somewhere along the way those documents vanished so apparently she was like leaving from having testified to the atomic energy commission whoa this fucked up shit has happened to me and they were like oh yeah that's super fucked up here we'll do what you say here's all these documents that say we're fucked up and she She's like, okay, th- thank you so much. I'm going to go to the my union's national office right now and I'm going to meet with a New York Times journalist and I'm going to use these documents of proof. And they were like, that's a great idea. You <laughs> should go. Yeah, we'll help you fill up your gas tank. Okay, bye. Waving. Like, have a great time. And then like, mysteriously, she gets fucking murdered and the documents go missing even after the police officer was like there was definitely documents there because like what they tried to say afterwards was like no she was making that up her family's just trying to get money 
She didn't have any of this. This is all bullshit. There's a movie where Meryl Streep plays this girl called Silkwood, and I haven't seen it, but it looks fantastic. Maybe we should all watch Silkwood together on Discord. Yes. Let us know, haunties, haunties in the Discord, what you think of that. I mean, for like a super right-wing conservative group, can you think of anything more threatening than a woman who is a labor activist working at a nuclear facility? That just seems, that's so weird. I don't know why. Like my 2022 brain can't like wrap my head around some, because when I think of like super liberal, I think of like caring about the environment. So wouldn't you not want to work at a place where atomic bomb pieces are made? Yeah, but this was like a different time. Yeah, where like, where like being super liberal was like, hey, maybe we should be nice to women. Right. Being super liberal was like you had bangs shorter than everyone else. <laughs> hey, sometimes you wear pants and live alone with your cat. Right. Like the yeah. fact that she was just working at all and she was like head of a labor union was like just too much. This was the 70s? The 79. 79. Okay. And, and Oklahoma is on a very similar timeline than Georgia. They're you like, would know because you're from Oklahoma. I defer to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wrote here that the Atomic Commission was like, hmm, woman bad, working good, woman working bad plutonium good labor union bad and then they just found out her middle name was gay and was like now we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> they're like i'm just picturing i'm picturing a bunch of like sweaty men in suits oh like for sure on like drawing on a chalkboard like woman equals bad like right. they're really trying to work through this together right. to figure should we murder her or do we not just pros and cons and on like pros just a bunch of stuff and on cons like woman <laughs> yeah, yeah con woman pro Vagina. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, back to Larry. So apparently now that we know all of this shit about fucking the U.S. representative that was shot down by communists because he was like, communism is bad. And Karen, who was like taken out by some force because she was about to fuck with the timeline as well. Larry is saying that the people who were controlling those events might have been behind the assassination attempt on him because apparently Larry is a hardcore Democrat and he was a huge critic of the Warren Commission, which was President Lyndon B. Johnson's official commission into the investigation of JFK's murder. So Larry Flint was like, that commission is bullshit. And he even offered a million dollars in reward for any information leading to the arrest of JFK's killer. And he had run for public office himself, which made him a direct threat to the right wing, or so Larry believed. And to demonstrate how different Larry was than the rest of the world at that time, he never pressed charges on his attacker, despite the fact that he paralyzed him because he opposed the death penalty. So he knew that his attacker would get the death penalty if he pressed charges. Franklin was eventually charged in Missouri with like eight unrelated counts of murder because he was a white supremacist piece of shit serial killer. And he was sentenced to death anyway by lethal injection in 2013. But But Larry didn't have to have it on his conscience. Right. He was just on some like different liberal stuff for Georgia. Okay, but here's the thing. Wouldn't the district attorney still press charges? I thought you didn't need the cooperation of a victim in the commission of a felony. I don't know how the legal system works. This is just what I read on Wikipedia. Maybe I'm making this (laughs) 
this up. I don't know. But I thought that they could just move forward if there's enough evidence. The thing is, they have to prove it was the guy. Oh, and he's refusing to testify? It was like an anonymous assassination attempt. They don't know who did it. And then later he was like, oh, I did it. And so Larry is saying maybe he was under like MK Ultra mind control oh. and they were pinning all of this on him. Man, what a confusing era the 70s were. So what does any of this shit have to do with anything? Flint believed that his assassination attempt was part of this larger conspiracy, which involved ultra right elements with ties to the intelligence community and that his assassin may have been subject to MK Ultra style mind control. This concludes our intro into 1979. How do you feel? Confused? <laughs> Paranoid? Just annoyed? Completely lost and wondering what the point of it all is? Are you ready to nuke everyone just to make sure they don't nuke you first? Or do you feel so called to protest that everyone wants to nuke each other? Have you just been given so much information that you don't know what to think, but you want to see what happens as long as it doesn't require you to do anything personally? Perfect. You are in the right state of mind to match the public opinion of 1979. The Cold War was from 1945 to 1991, which, as we learned on this podcast, was a time of complex intelligence gathering due to heightened paranoia regarding socialism versus capitalism and nuclear warfare threat, basically. So now we're ready to enter our story because if I don't tell you what was happening in the world this is just a story about like some some rocks yeah wait what rocks the Georgia Guidestones have you ever heard of them no wait wait a minute wait a minute that was in the news recently yes okay do you remember what happened in the news I think somebody like destroyed something but I thought it was like an art installation or something isn't it is it not? It's several things to many different people, and we are going to talk about its very mysterious origins on this podcast because there is still a lot of unanswered questions surrounding the Georgia Guidestones. Okay, I'm really interested because the only thing I know about the Georgia Guidestones comes from one single tweet that I read where somebody said, somebody like defaced the Georgia Guidestones. That's, lit that's literally all I know. Well, you're in luck because I'm about to enlighten you. Fuck yeah. Have you ever heard of Elberton, Georgia? Elberton or Elberton? Elberton. Elberton. E-L-B-E-R-T-O-N. I'm putting too much emphasis on like every syllable. So it sounds like Alberton, but it's Elberton. Okay. All right. Um, No, I've never heard of it. Yeah, it seems like a fake place. It D sounds like a small podunk town in the middle of Georgia and on a dirt road or something. Or is it the origin of a message to the future sent to control humanity? ¿Por qué no los dos? Could be. <laughs> <laughs> Only a few hours drive from Atlanta, where self-proclaimed progressive liberal Larry Flint was battling legal issues revolving around his pornographic hustler magazine, lies the town of Alberton. At first glance, the small town of Elberton, which is only populated by 4,500 people, might seem like a quiet town compared to Atlanta. However, Elberton was special. Unlike the rest of Georgia, Elberton was the self-proclaimed 
granite capital of the world. Ooh, I know like granite countertops are supposed to be really bougie and fancy and people pay a lot of money for them. So maybe I was totally wrong and this is not a podunk town. Despite only having 4,000 people, maybe it's like a super wealthy town with a booming industry. It has a booming industry. I don't know that it's super like wealthy of a town, but they do have like a lot of granite monuments. And it just occurred to me that when you said like, oh, granite is used for like fancy people to make like bougie countertops. It's also like the main the main stone that people choose for their headstones when they die. Oh, yeah. I guess it must be like a strong one that like doesn't get damaged easily. Could be. No one knows for sure. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, Elbert County was settled in the 1780s. Elbert was the designated seat of the newly formed Elbert County in 1790. It was incorporated as a town in 1803 and as a city in 1896. Like Elbert County, Elberton is named for Samuel Elbert. Elberton is known as the granite capital of the world. The city's post-Civil War history has largely revolved around the industry. Following the opening of the first commercial quarry and manufacturing plant by Dr. Nathaniel Long in 1889. As the industry grew in the early 1900s, so did Elberton's importance on the passenger and freight railroad lines, bringing many travelers and businessmen to the city and leading to its heyday, which I don't know when it ever had a heyday. I don't know if they are like consider a heyday something different than I consider because I've never fucking heard of this town. Maybe it's to them it's just like a day where you all bail your hay. Where you all say hey to each other. Yeah. Like once a year like hey. Hey it's our heyday. Several granite monuments exist in this town including the Granite Bowl which is a football stadium made entirely of granite. Oh wait that's cool. Showcasing Elberton's claim to fame. However apparently nobody gave a shit about those monuments which made Elberton the perfect location for a man looking to send a message to the future. Okay, I'm going to pause you right there. You never showed me the granite bowl and we're like, look at this picture. It's a bowl of granite. It's like no. different and weird. Oh my God, you guys, at what timeline am I on? Because I swear to fucking God, I'm going to fucking freak the fuck <laughs> out right now. Because this is like the fourth time. I know, but this time it's so specific. I have a fucking specific ass memory of Alyssa telling me a story and I do believe that it was when we were back like in the rough times of our <laughs> friends the, the condom hair extension era right and you were like oh the, this is like part of something like look at this bowl it's made of granite and you showed me a picture of like a football stadium no and you were like describe this and i was like well it's like a football stadium and you were like oh. I mean, say it's got like, you know, say this, it's like granite and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's made of granite. It looks crazy. No. I am going to fucking freak you, out. You are literally living in a parallel universe and I'm very interested by it. Do you think that something happened and like our timelines split, but somehow we're able to come together to record this podcast only in this specific location because it's like a portal? Am I being gaslit right <laughs> no. now? Do I have to fucking torch this whole place? Like, I'm serious. I never told you about a granite bowl because that's cool. I would remember that. I think that's sick. Are you sure? Let me show you a picture of the granite bowl and like see if you're fucking, you're the one that's wrong. I remember I showed you when we did a story about something that happened in Russia. When we did the copper cauldrons, I talked to you about like uranium mines and I showed you a picture of like a giant quarry, like uranium quarry. You've never showed me this picture. No. I have no clue what that even would be. Like, if you showed me that with no context, I would just be like, oh, okay, it's bleachers. And that's exactly what I did. 
And you were like, no, 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 say that it's like different because it's made out of you granite. guys. How- and you showed me this plaque. No. I know that never happened. Okay, Natalia is showing me her phone right now, guys. I know you can't see us, but she's Googling different things about the granite bowl and then showing me pictures. I swear I've never said anything about this. I am so angry at you. <laughs> so why? You guys, there's there must be a haunty out there that's listened to all the episodes a couple of times. Leave in the comments. Have we ever talked about a granite bowl? The only thing I'm remembering is the uranium quarry that I mentioned in Russia. <sighs> and I may have talked about uh like uranium also in the zimbabwe episode you did yeah, yeah but no, those things are true as well as this yeah but happen. i don't i never talked about granite i never even thought about granite is, i always took it for granite is what you would say so i'm gonna tell you about this guy named rc christian have you ever heard of rc christian okay is he in, is he the inventor of rc hot wheels he could be is he no one knows. Let me tell you about him and you tell me if you think he is the inventor of RC Hot Wheels. Okay. One Friday afternoon. Listen really closely, by the way, because there's oh. like secret puzzles and messages hidden there. Okay. This. All right. I'm going to Nancy Drew the shit out of this episode. In June of 1979, a man whose true identity is still unknown appeared in Elberton, Georgia. The man approached the office of Joe H. Fendley Sr., president of the Elberton Granite Finishing Corporation. The man is remembered by Fendley for how much he stood out against the backdrop of Elberton, particularly the way he spoke and dressed. He wore an expensive suit, and he spoke with the linguistic confidence of someone highly educated. The man gave a pseudonym of R.C. Christian, but he was not shy in making it known that his real name was not R.C. Christian. The man said he used a pseudonym because he wished to remain anonymous so as not to take away attention from the mission he was on. Christian claimed that he was using a false identity because he wasn't representing himself, but rather a group of anonymous people. Christian told Findley, They were a small group of loyal Americans who believe in God, and R.H. Christian is the name that spoke for the group. R.H. or R.C.? R.C. Christian is the name that spoke for the group. You said there were little breadcrumbs, so I just had to make sure because I thought it might be a clue. Thank you for paying attention. Christian revealed little about the group that he represented, but he did clarify that they were not Georgia natives. They just wanted to leave a message for future generations. Findley remembers this initial meeting as strange, and he describes Christian in his own words as kooky. And what exactly was this R.C. Christian's mission? Christian told Findley he wanted to build a monument to the conservation of mankind. Their mission was their most important work, and they had been designing this mission for 20 years. R.C. Christian told Findley he wanted his business, the Elberton Granite Finishing Corporation, to build this monument. So Findley is the mayor? Findley is president 
of this company that is like the Alberton like granite oh, okay, okay. king guy. Like he's like got like in control of the granite guy. He's better than the mayor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he's the head business guy of yes. the head industry. Yeah, he's like in the Simpsons, the skinny guy that always like rubs his fingers together. Smith, oh, not Smithers. No, it's um, Smithers is like his dude. Burns. Burns, Mr. Burns. Yes, Mr. Burns. Okay, he's, he's Mr. Burns. Yeah. And then a guy comes up to him and is like, hey, here's the deal. My name's R.C. Christian. Just kidding. No, it's not. I'm going to be upfront about that. But (laughs) don't be alarmed because I represent a group of loyal, God-fearing Americans. Mm -hmm. And we really want to put something on a piece of land and we want you guys to build it. Yeah, basically. But who who owns the land? He hasn't gotten that far yet. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. He's basically just like, hey, uh, the long and short of it is that I need to build some shit. Don't ask a bunch of questions because I can't give you all of the answers. But what you need to know know is that uh everything you need to know i already said will you build this because you said pay attention to breadcrumbs i'm really focused on this pseudonym rc christian and i'm sure you'll talk about it more later but i'm going through my head i'm like what could rc stand for it has to be a clue if he specifically says rc christian represents the group and speaks for the group right but it's not a real person does it stand for real cool christian right or like retired coach Christian? Christian remote control Christian like he is fucking being remote controlled by the Christians and that is wow. his plea for help rabid coochie Christian Findley listened to Christian's speech but he was unsure of whether or not the man was serious perhaps he was like the center of some sort of prank that his friends were pulling on him it was really uncharacteristic for any person to come up and talk to him in a nice suit so he was like what's going on But Christian was confident that the monument was going to be made, and he gave Findlay the specifications and, like, wrote out shit, like, numbers, and, like, this number, X, this number, M for meters, and stuff like that. So he had, like, a blueprint. Yeah, they call that, right? (laughs) Finley put together an estimate for building this monument and it was going to be really expensive. So he just expected Christian would back out of the plans. So he excited the expense and he's like, okay, yeah, you want to build like a fucking monument out of granite? You weird fucking guy wasting my time. It's going to be $300,000. In 1979? Yes, in 1979, which was $1 million at the time. Jeez. Probably a little more now, adjusted for inflation, but at least $1 million. He's like, all right, okay, I'm not going to see that guy again. But Christian instead asked for a local bank address. And Finley was like, "Uh, okay, yeah, here's like the address to the Granite City Bank. And he was like, that guy is so embarrassed. He was going to take this, like, I can afford to build a monument thing all the way to the fucking end of the earth. Which I've done that. One time I recently actually went to... Like I had gone in there and I'd been like, hey, I need a pair of jean shorts. And he was like, okay, it's like on whatever this floor. And I was like, but I want them to be like really cool. (laughs) And he was like, okay, I'll bring you some. And he brought out like a pair of just cut off shorts. And I was like, whatever, you know, put them on and looked in the mirror. And I was like, oh yeah, these look good. And he came in and he was like, oh my God, these look amazing. And he was like this fabulous guy from London. And he was like really cool. And I like really wanted to impress them. And he's like, so do you want those? And I was like, yeah, sure. Went to the cash register to ring those bitches up. $680. No, no, Natalia, no. 
I put it on my credit card. No. I went home. I came back another day that I knew he wasn't working and returned it. Oh my God. That actually makes me angry. It, no, it made me so angry. I was like, how could you put me in this position where you hand me what seems to be an old Navy pair <laughs> of cutoff shorts? And now I'm like, my blood is boiling from just thinking of it. I'm angry at the designer. How much can you zhuzh up a pair of, of blue denim cutoff jean shorts? Yeah. How can you possibly justify... You know what? If you're selling a pair of jean shorts for $680, I hope that you're paying the people who sewed those shorts right. 90 grand a year. Yeah. And those were all the thoughts that I had, but I didn't express those because I was like, I want him to think that I'm who he thinks I am. Right. Right. <laughs> and that is exactly what Findlay thought RC Christian was doing when he was like, oh, $300,000? Sure, just give me the name of a local bank. Right, right. I'll be right BRB, back. <laughs> gotta go to the bank and get a loan for three hundred grand for a really cool monument. <laughs> Christian keeps going with this and he goes over to the Granite City Bank. He talks directly to the bank president whose name was Wyatt C. Martin. And he tells Martin his mission. He gives him the whole spiel, the same one that he had given to Fendley. He's like, I'm Marcy Christian, monument, specifications, uh, secret times. And <laughs> Martin's like really skeptical of him. And he's like, you know what? The price of this monument is gonna be impossible for me to like, give you any sort of financial support on such a short notice. He was also like really skeptical of Christian not because he thought that he was just like pretending to be rich to impress him, but he thought the whole anonymity thing was weird. Lame. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. I was just overthinking of like how I've said anonymity, anonymity. 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 You're, you're there. It's just a weird word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so he was like, don't like that secret thing you're doing. And then he, and also, how can you give a loan to a guy that won't give you his real name? Exactly. So Christian is like, look, I hear what you're saying. And let me calm your fears a little bit by explaining to you that, quote, the group feels that by keeping our identity secret, it will not distract from the monument and its meaning. The message being inscribed on the stones is to all mankind and is non-sectarian, nor nationalistic, nor political. The stones must speak for themselves to all who take note and should appeal to believers and non-believers wherever and at all times. End quote. I just picture the guy on the Quaker's oatmeal box just walking into a bank and like, four score and seven Quaker's oats ago, I declared that Puritanity is the movement, but also here's, I don't know. I've given up halfway through No, but through that's like scenario. exactly how he was. I mean, this is Elberton County, Georgia. Everyone is like a carbon copy of each other. So when this guy comes in seeming to be like a total freak, but also like, is he better than us? Because he's is, wearing a nice right. suit. And is he a freak for Jesus? Right. It's like, what game is this guy playing? Right. You know? And he's probably wondering what does R.C. Christian stand for? So Martin listens to this secret explanation and he comes to the conclusion that it's still a no from me, dog. And then Christian is like, no, but this is going to be like an American Stonehenge. And he talks about how he's traveled all over the world and he's been to Europe and he's like, Stonehenge was really cool and I really liked it. And Martin was like, okay, not to be a dick, but like this giant monument to mankind sounds like a waste of money. So I think you're just going to be a scammer, but prove me wrong. And R.C. Christian is like, I will prove you wrong. Would a scammer travel to Europe? Methinks not. So then Christian explains the importance of Stonehenge and he had like a written note on it that said, quote, 
Stonehenge and other vestiges of human thought arouse our curiosity, but carry no message for our guidance. To convey our ideas across time to other human beings, we want to erect a monument. A cluster of graven stones which will silently display our ideas when we ourselves have gone. We hope that they will merit increasing acceptance and that through their silent persistence they will hasten in a small degree the coming age of reason. And wow. Go. I'm convinced. I would give this man two million dollars. Build me two monuments, sir. And that's what Martin did. He was like, okay, I'm sort of convinced, but like, I can't give you a fucking loan for one million currency today in 1979 without knowing your name. And Christian was like, look, I served in World War II and I'm a patriotic American in every sense of the word. And Martin was like, all right, just deposit 10K. And then I also will get to know your true identity. And then, then we're good. And he got him to fucking do it. RC Christian was like, all right, bet. But it was a Friday. So like the weekend was in between. During this weekend, after Christian was gone, supposedly getting the 10K and like paperwork and shit, Martin and Findlay had this whole weekend to get the tea on this RC Christian guy. And both of them were like, that anonymous monument builder guy was so sketch, but he was also so interesting. Like he was wearing expensive clothes and he said he was like this patriotic American who believes in God. So I trust him. Right? I mean, they're intrigued. Maybe they kind of want to be a part of the narrative and they're worried if they deny this money, he'll go somewhere else and then they'll see it on the news later. Right. And it'll be something really fucking cool that puts whatever town that is on the map and they're yeah. like, shit, are we really missing out on a really great business opportunity? They had FOMO. They were like, are we getting haunted right now? Should we get haunted right now? Look, sometimes getting haunted is a choice and sometimes it's a choice you got to make. Also, just a side note about this, like the whole idea that Stonehenge has no mess message is just like so basic anonymous white man to me like would you say that a house has no meaning have you never heard of live laugh love it's rude to say that stonehenge has no meaning like maybe you're just too dumb to understand art or perhaps they lack the social complex mechanisms to perceive that stonehenge was just an ancient meta joke right i would like to think that in the future even memes are looked at of historical importance right i hope that the most deep fried memes ever are in textbooks like in a hundred years right like well, they're showing Pepe the frog yeah, with they're like, like, wow, this was really controversial. At the time, this like frog represented this, but then it like turned into this right wing like fringe movement, but then it turned back into like meta, like making fun of that. And then the guy who made the cartoon got really upset that it had been appropriated by the alt-right. So then he killed off the character in his comics. Wow, that happened? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know what that thing was from. I just like vaguely knew of it. I mean, unless I made that up because now I'm not sure what timeline we're living in, but I definitely right. read that somewhere. Christian returns to Martin a few days later with this deposit and he has an NDA to sign that says Martin could never reveal Christian's true identity and that Martin would also destroy all of the info pertaining to the construction and development of the monument after the completion. And what do you think Martin did? I think he said, fuck yeah. Yeah, he was like, yeah, don't give a shit about any of that information anyways. Just tell me what your fucking name is. Yeah. You think I'm like jacking off to receipts after you're gone? No, I'm just swimming in $300,000 interest. Right. Christian sends Martin money from multiple banks across the entire USA for the deposit so that he couldn't be traced to any one location. And Christian also told Martin that after his second meeting, they would never meet again. Findley got the money and he never asked 
asked about any of this stuff ever again. He was just like, this is definitely a scammer and I'm just gonna play dumb and get that back. Martin is the only person to this day who knows Christian's true identity. When people ask Martin why he kept Christian's identity secret after all of this time, Martin said, quote, they could put a gun to my head and kill me. What? I will never reveal his name. In my age and profession, you stick by your promise of confidentiality, end quote. What the fuck? What does Martin know that we don't know? Who could this guy possibly be? So here is a picture of them building this stuff. You guys want to see it at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram. It's showing Wyatt C. Martin standing in front. Is Martin still alive or no? He's like almost 90 years old if he's still alive. Probably really easy to look it up. Let's look it up. He what? died in 2021. Oh. He died. December 15th, 2021. Wow, that that's very recent. Less than a year. Maybe we'll never know unless we use necromancy. I'm here for it. That's All right. him. Which one? The guy in the hat? That's mine. Oh, I like him. Wait, did he do... Sorry, I've already forgotten. Did he do anything problematic? Probably, right? I mean, he was a man in Georgia in 1979. Yeah, damn it. All right, I was going to say I like him because he's not wearing a suit. He just looks like an everyday man that like is a laborer. He has like a backwards hat on. He's smiling. To me, he just looks like the ultimate scammer. He's like, it's working. They're building it. I like made up this RC Christian guy and said that he was a fake person and only I can know his identity. And now I I like have embezzled and money laundered this $300,000 and it's working. This next photo is of Fendley. All right. I see him. Oh, you don't like that guy. Uh, I don't trust him. Because he's wearing a button up. It's not. If you actually look closely, it's a jacket, which could be a jean jacket or perhaps a white leather jacket, which lends a whole different kind of vibe to this man. Hmm. I'm undecided (laughs) on Fendley. I cannot see his outfit in detail. They started the construction on the tablets that summer. In total, the stones cost $300,000 or $1 million in today's dollars. And they're weird as fuck. So Natalia is showing me some pictures of these monuments that R.C. Christian wanted to build. And it's, yeah, showing a guy like carving what looks like words. Then another guy is cleaning the granite. Another guy's gluing stencils. Another guy is chiseling. It's like a whole army to make oh, these, this Oh, this shit. is huge. Yeah. I was picturing these being much smaller. You guys, this is like taller than a house. Yeah, they're like almost 20 feet tall. And 10 feet is one story, right? So it's a two-story house. Could be. We'll never know. <laughs> you guys, they're big. I'm impressed. Our houses 10 feet for floor, our shorts $680. Like my scale for what is normal has been forever altered. Have we already talked about this yeah. story before? <laughs> so let me tell you about these fucked up stones. They're located in Albertton, Georgia off Highway 77. They're made of pyramid blue granite. Everyone said like, it's gonna be super impossible because they're too big, but R.C. Christian is like, okay, but did you do it though? Yeah, how can you know if you never do it? Finley hired different craftsmen and crews to work on the monument. It took nine months and four tons of matter was carved off of those stones. It was a monumental undertaking. Oh, 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 see, I laughed at your pun, but you didn't laugh at mine What was your pun? I said, I never thought about granite much. I guess I always took it for granted. Oh, see, that's how bad my language skills are. I was just like, oh, she always took it for granted. Okay. So I just. Oh, you didn't even hear what I said. No, I feel like I'm the kind of person who would just be like, say I took it for granted because like oh. I didn't know the difference between granted and I feel and like, I, you know, I've thought about that before though. And I feel like both are valid because if you take something for granted, then you just assumed it would always be there. And if you took it for granted, then you just assumed <gasps> the granite would always be there. 
So these monuments were taken for granted. Yes. Petition to change. The expression. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I love that. Wow. That's thank you very much. You're welcome. If we are not remembered for anything else on this earth, I hope that we are remembered for changing the course of history as we know it. Six large slabs of granite sitting in the middle of a grassy field were constructed to make an X shape. There's a central pillar and then there's four stones that fan out from the middle of that pillar with a capstone on top. The engraving on the top capstone is written in several languages, ancient languages, Babylonian, classical Greek, Sanskrit, and ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. Hmm, interesting choice. The translations of the capstone engravings to English is, quote, let these be guidestones to an age of reason, end quote. The four other stones are engraved on both sides in eight different languages. English, Spanish, Swahili, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese, and Russian. You might be wondering, what are the guidelines? I am wondering. The guidelines are, one, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Three, unite humanity with a living new language. Four, rule passion, faith, tradition, all things with tempered reason. I forgot what number I'm on. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Let all nations rule internally resolving external disputes in a world court. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Balance personal rights with social duties. Prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. Is that it? And then these are some pictures of them. So Natalia is showing me some pictures of these monuments in in what I assume is modern day because the other pictures she was showing me were like black and white in sepia. So this looks like a vagina with a stone coming out of it. I'm going to be honest (laughs) with you. There's a lot of vaginas in this episode. It's I mean, I really can't emphasize enough. These are giant fucking slabs of rock. Giant. To the west of the Guidestones is another tablet that outlines the Guidestones' astronomical capabilities. It reads, quote, Astronomic features. One, channel through stone indicates celestial pole. Two, horizontal slot indicates annual travel of sun. Three, sunbeam through capstone marks noontime throughout the year. Author, R.C. Christian. A pseudonym in... Parentheses, and they spelled pseudonym with an N on the end instead of an M. Why? I don't know. Is that part of the clue? Or was it did they typo? just fuck it up? Or did it like the other hump of the M get rubbed out with time? <gasps> I never thought of that. Or did it not get completed? Or mm-hmm. did the person who make it was like, oh, fuck, I fucked this up. Oh, don't tell anyone. Maybe they won't notice. Yeah, because like, what are you going to do if you fuck up a giant piece of granite? Someone who makes granite monuments, tell Tell us. us. Yeah, if you fuck up something, do you have to like shave off the entire front of the stone? Yeah, what happens when you fuck up a commission? Mm. Mm. 
You move. <laughs> Sponsors, a small group of Americans who seek the age of reason. Time capsule placed six feet or 1.83 meters below this spot. And then it says on and it's blank to be opened on and it's blank. Oh, interesting. So did they is that another example of like not finishing the engraving? Like they forgot one of the humps on the M of pseudonym and they forgot to, to put in the dates or is all of this intentional? I don't know. Here is a picture of that time capsule thing and you can kind of see it. Does that look unfinished to you or does it look purposeful? It looks like freeform poetry because it says time capsule colon and then a new line. Place six feet below this spot then a new line, on, then a new line, to be opened on. And I'm also noticing six feet makes me feel like, does that have significance because we bury people six feet under? Ooh. So is the time capsule- Is the time capsule gonna be a human body? Or like, does it represent death or rebirth? Ooh. And then look at these pictures. The slussy. <laughs> this is all very vaginal. Um, Yeah, it's just like a slot in a giant piece of granite. The slussy. Yeah. And then what about this? That's another slot, but it's like a glory hole slot. This one's right. circular. The right. other one was rectangular. So that was the slussy and this is the glory hole. Yeah. So apparently- This is the slass. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, these are approximately 19 feet high. They're not fucking around. And today the stones are known as the American Stonehenge, the Georgia Guidestones, and also the Ten Commandments of the Antichrist. What? The Antichrist? <laughs> Yeah, so apparently some people think that these are like satanic in nature due to some of those guidelines. Did any of those guidelines like stick out to you as like being like different? I mean, they just seemed like... Here, I'll let you read them again. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll go through them one by one. I'll tell you how I'm interpreting them and then you tell me how you're interpreting them. Okay, first one says maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. When I hear that, it's reminding me of what you told me about during this time China had implemented like the one child policy because they reached 800 million, right? Right. And so that's just China. So and like the whole world has way more people than China. So right. that's already like they you can't that you can't you failed that one. Right. right. But it seems topical, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then the next one says guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. This sounds a little bit like eugenics. If I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, I would say... I mean, definitely genetic diversity is good. That's why... And fitness is good. Yeah, like <laughs> generally speaking, like an inbred person is going to have more medical problems than like a non-inbred person. And that's because diversity is generally better than homogeny, right? Yeah. But like guide reproduction wisely does sound a lot like eugenics. Like, oh, we should only allow people to have children if they have good fitness and are diverse. The next one says unite humanity with a living new language. So... I'm just interpreting that as like, you know what else this is making reminding me of? Maybe you were just about to say this. The Tower of Babel. Yeah. yeah. Where everyone spoke different languages and so then they like couldn't build it. Yeah. If you guys aren't sure about that, go listen to our Happy Valley Dream Survey. We talked about the Tower of Babel, but basically it's a story from the Bible, TLDR, is that there was a monument that had all the languages on it so that everyone could understand everybody and then it got destroyed and then nobody could understand anyone. Oh, wait. I thought that it was like they, all these people were trying to build this like monument and then God punished them by making them all speak different languages so they couldn't finish the monument because they couldn't communicate with each other. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I'm combining two different things. Okay. Yeah. Either is valid. Either is valid. Um, next one says rule passion faith tradition and all things with tempered reason that seems pretty reasonable right it's just <laughs> saying hey don't get too worked up about right. stuff next one protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts I vibe with that. Yeah. 
Next one, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. That sounds like I could see how people during that time would interpret that it's like as the socialism. UN, though, right? Yeah, it sounds like the UN. A lot of people don't like the UN, though. Yeah, and um, they, sometimes they get real mad and they don't get things done, but right. it's there. Right, it's there. <laughs> Next one, avoid petty laws and useless officials. To me, that sounds like anti-government. Then it says balance personal rights with social duties. I don't that know. sounds like a give and a take, right? Like they want you to trade some of your personal... I'm I'm not gonna carry your sickle and be in your communist dream yeah. i'm not gonna plow your fields yeah to me this sounds like hey i know you have a personal right to be an asshole but mm -hmm. if your neighbor is sick and needs you to get her groceries and bring them indoors then your social duty should be to do that right right that's how i'm interpreting it's it like, yeah like no, you have the right to not help her but like you should balance your personal rights with social duties the next one says prize truth beauty love seeking harmony with the infinite that sounds religious that's just like sounds Sounds like a Bjork lyrics or something. It does, like a Lana Del Rey lyric. Yeah. Praise truth and beauty in the cemetery on my roller skates. <laughs> Next one, be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature, leave room for nature. That goes back to the first one, which says maintain humanity in perpetual balance with nature. It seems like they're very environmentalist for the time. Yeah, and they're like anti-cancer. Now, I'm not sure how you could interpret any of those to be satanic, except for maybe the eugenics line about like hey we need to make sure that only like strong and diverse people are having babies and by the way i know that there are people who follow this podcast that are satanists i am assuming whenever anyone from the south is talking about satanic stuff they're not talking about like modern day satanism mm. they're talking about a caricature in their head of like a devil worshiper right right like they're so talking about someone who's like getting naked and covering themselves in blood and like dancing around with goat heads right yes and, and like, like murdering a baby and yeah. drinking its blood under a full moon right which is kind of a vibe but also we shouldn't do it because murder is bad when i say satanism or satanic i'm using it in the way that i think these georgians are using it yeah i wanted to add that disclaimer i wonder if guide reproduction wisely could be misinterpreted and that when it says guide reproduction wisely improving fitness and diversity what if it was just a bad translation and it was like we need to have sex longer and with like all races like i want to see everyone fucking each other for like a really long time and they all like get really strong because they're <laughs> fucking each other for so long and they're doing these like crazy <laughs> positions i want everyone in the world to form a giant mass orgy <laughs> in the middle of the atlantic ocean we're gonna meet there and everyone's gonna be one writhing ball of flesh until we're really fucking fit yeah i mean I, we literally talked about how the shit gets like misinterpreted through bad translation at the beginning of this episode right you know when you're carving fucking granite monument you don't you can't put in like uh semicolons and like all the stuff because it's just like too fucking hard right right so like a lot of this stuff like rule passion faith and tradition instead of there being commas they're just those little hyphens between them oh i see i see easier. what you're saying it's written in a way that's not really grammatically correct i see so perhaps it's like, I don't know, I forgot my train of thought. Well, it can't be a bad translation because the guy who, who gave the orders to write it spoke English, unless he had translated something to English and gave it, given it to the monument people. Yeah, I mean, like maybe he was someone who was trying really hard to sound English. And that's yeah. why he was so well spoken. Oh, wow. You know, when people like don't speak with slang. Yeah. And they're like trying really hard to impress you. and you're like, like the transatlantic accent. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Yeah, like an alien thing. Now, you might be asking yourself, why Georgia? Yeah. It's because Christian himself said that his great-grandmother was from Georgia, and he believed that the climate was good so that the monument would be protected, there wouldn't be a lot of crazy weather, and he also knew that there was enough granite there for a monument. And originally, he wanted to put the monument in the southern part of the state because it was flat, so he thought that the monument would really stand out. But Martin was like, no, that's too expensive to ship the stones there. And then he told Christian that historically, the local Cherokee had considered the center of the world to be coincidentally exactly right next to Elberton. Now, I don't know if that was Martin just being like, oh, <laughs> let me think of anything. Yeah, like I really don't want to like spend a bunch of money like to go ship this shit over here. I want to like keep my piece of the pie nice and juicy. Did you know that the center of the world is actually in this person's backyard? You know, I don't know. Maybe it was. Anyways, Christian was like, okay, can't argue with that or I'm going to look bad. So fine. And then Martin scouted this family farm that belonged to these people called the Mullinexes. And they literally just had this grassy grazing field where there were cows out there grazing and it was near this road so it was easy to access but it like wasn't near the town so he thought it would be like a really good place to put a monument it would be perfect for visibility it also was located off of highway 77 next to double seven farm 7.2 miles from elberton coincidence i think could be. <laughs> According to some sources, apparently the Mullinexes had a connection with the Freemasons. However, when I looked into that information myself, I wasn't able to verify whether or not that's true, but it is certainly interesting, so I'll keep it in here. So Martin is like, all right, I'm gonna offer these Mullinexes two generations of grazing rights near these stones on the condition that the stones are gonna forever be on that land. And they agree to do it for $5,000. Wait, they sold their land for $5,000? I don't understand. They, they, he bought, gave them, I think he bought the land for $5,000 for 200 years, two generations. You guys can graze your like bullshit cows or whatever you're fucking doing over here. Okay. All right. <laughs> I feel like that is fucked up that he lowballed them, right? Because he just bought a monument for a million. He can't throw 50K at them. I mean, that's Martin though. Historically, do lenders, people who loan you money, are they like, uh, oh, let's make this very fair and like make sure everyone's taken care of? No, they're like, fuck you. That's true. They're like, look, here's the thing. I could just take it from you by planting drugs and having <laughs> civil forfeiture, but instead I'm going nice. to like give you $5,000 and let you have your cows walk around an area that's literally your property, but like, here you go. And then Christian disappeared forever and he was like, literally said, quote, you'll never see me again, end quote. RC Christian? Yes. That's the last thing he said to Martin in person. He was like, you'll never see me again, end quote. By the time he said this, was the monument already built? No. After the land was secured, he was like, okay, cool. You got this from here. Mm. And then he started corresponding with Martin through mail. And he always sent mail from different cities. And it was always like really cryptic, like, you know, George Washington Quaker man language. Christian also left them with like this wooden miniature model of what the stones should look like. And he gave them 10 pages of specifications for the designs. He kind of makes everyone else do all of the work. And what I mean by that is Christian left Martin with these pages on what the guidestones should look like. And they were very specific, but they were specific instructions. Like they said, okay, I want it to say this in all of these different languages, but then there was no translation for those languages. It was just instructions on what languages 
there should be. So Christians really leaving a lot of trust and faith and extra work in the hands of Martin. And apparently Christian just told them they had to do all that astronomical shit, like in regards to the sun's rotation and stuff. Like he had never talked about that in person. And then like, they had no idea how to do it. He was like, you need to make a, a hole in one of those at eye level where the North Star can be seen all the time. They're oh, that's like, what those holes were? Yes. Did you say that? Did I? No. Unless I was thinking too hard about like, oh, no, I did channel through stone indicates celestial pole two horizontal slot indicates annual travel of the sun three sunbeam through the capstone marks noontime throughout the year so they like are shitty at explaining stuff okay let me recap so basically a dude shows up under a pseudonym goes through a whole fucking scheme to secure a loan goes and gets a guy that's going to help him like realize his project and then they start building on some person's property that they bought and then the stones themselves form an x and then there's plaques in the ground and then there's possibly a time capsule six feet under but we don't know if it's really there or not and then there's also stuff carved into the stones like through the stones that are supposed to be like portholes where you look through it and you see the sun or something um some of that's true they like wanted it to be like the sundial they want there to be the hole at eye level where you can always see the north star through it all the time okay and they also want this second slot to be aligned with the sunrise during the solstices and equinoxes of the year and they also want this aperture so that a beam of light passes through it at noon each day so it's like a sundial like a calendar okay and did it work well Fenley was like I don't know how to fucking do that shit what the fuck (laughs) so he has to hire this like UGA like University of Georgia astronomer to come help with the project and when the astronomer went over there they were like oh wow this is crazy like you're building this thing this is amazing but apparently in 2013 an astronomer from UGA said that the guide stones were not that impressive and she was like you could literally do the same thing with concrete in your backyard and she was like to see the north star all you have to do is drill a hole at 35 degrees due north because the north star is at a 34 degree latitude but I'm like ma'am you're severely overestimating what I'm capable of doing with concrete in my backyard because I think that's pretty impressive. That is impressive. Yeah. It's like when people see modern art and they're like, I could have fucking made that. And it's like, well, then do it, bitch. Like, what's stopping you? Yeah, do it. Do it. Do it. You want to fucking rag on other people's art? Then you do it. Yeah. Then you make a living at it. Then you get a museum to fucking host your collection of modern art if you're so confident that anybody could do it you know that song it's like so you want to be a rock superstar and live hard big garage three cars like i don't know what that song is is that kid rock it's something similar (laughs) it's like cypress hill or something like that the other day kid rock came on the radio and i didn't change the channel because i realized that i had never actually listened to a kid rock song before and i listened to it all the way through and i was like wow this is bad it was like sending the wrong message or it was like not good music no like not good like I just because I guess because we were so young when Kid Rock was popular and so I just had never really listened to a full song and then I did and like you guys it's not that good Mm, I haven't listened so I can't confirm but I would not be surprised wasn't good it's called Superstar and it is by Cypress Hill you want to be a rock superstar live large big house five cars you're in charge that's what the monument should have said yeah Make a time capsule underneath this monument. It might not be there. It could be a trap. 
maybe you go down six feet and there's a crab and it bites your nose off. <laughs> so this was like a super bitch project. It attracted a lot of attention because it took fucking long time to make. And people were like, RC Christian isn't real. Martin and Fenley were just looking for attention to build on the mystique from the stones. But then they were like, where did they get the money from? And like, why are there inscriptions? And then this guy named Reverend James Travenstead, who has a name from the Salem witch trials, I'm pretty sure, was a local minister there in Elberton. And he said that the monument was satanic in nature because of the astronomical elements and the inscriptions. And apparently he's quoted as saying, quote, someday a sacrifice will take place here, end quote. And that was all he had to say. The locals started to panic. They wanted the project to be halted and they accused Martin of being part of an occult movement. Finley and Martin actually had to take a lie detection test for the town to tell their stories about this RC Christian guy and like claim that they were not working with the devil and that this was like this anonymous guy and it wasn't them. And they both passed their test. But then the true story of this like anonymous guy just made the townsfolk panic even more. Yeah, like, there's not even a picture of him. Nobody thought to take a picture. They're like, that was the devil. Yeah. And the locals, they just thought that this monument would make their town satanic and this was you know not a good time for them and they accused Martin of working with the devil and also said that he could be perhaps the devil but Martin didn't stop working in March of 1980 the stones were finally finished and the guide stones were unveiled in a ceremony on March 22nd 1980 400 people showed up and even a few TV crews from Atlanta had came the mayor and a congressman led the ceremony and they whipped off a black covering from the stones and everyone was stunned just looking at the grandeur of these things. Over 951 cubic feet of granite make up the 11 pieces of the monument. The overall height is 19 feet 3 inches from the surface of the ground to the top of the capstone. There are slots and holes in the center stone that have astrological significance because they have been cut at precise angles to permit accurate readings of the sun and moon at various times of the year. Standing on the highest point of Elbert County, the Georgia guide stones have raised a lot of questions. Four upright stones more than 16 feet high with support stones totaling almost 238,000 pounds. And there's a message sandblasted in 12 languages in letters two inches tall. The sponsors of the mysterious project are said to be an anonymous group of out-of-state Americans promoting the concept of the conservation of mankind. Here's the mystery, though. Elbert and Granite businessman Joe Fenley was contacted to build the project by a man using the fictitious name of R.C. Christian. Granite City Bank President Wyatt Martin served as intermediary, handled the escrow account for all funds, and says he'll carry the secret of who R.C. Christian is to his grave. Well, in spite of what we don't know, Congressman Doug Bernard dedicated the Guidestones with an open mind. We must stress today the need for self-control, for self-restraint, and yes, self-government, all of which I interpret in this Georgia Guidestone. The sense of permanence is there, and we do know this. The Georgia Guidestones are some of the largest granite monuments ever erected, and they can be seen for years to come on Georgia Highway 77, seven miles north of Elberton. Matt Hunt, Action News, on the scene in northeast Georgia. But there was someone there who was not so happy about it. And wouldn't you guess, it was Reverend James Travenstead. He was still mad, and he goes, quote, 
Look what it says about the unity of the world, especially the world court. That's where the Antichrist will unite the governments of the world under the power of the devil. I think they will find this monument is for sun worshippers, for cult worship, and devil worship. End quote. But I long to be that honest about my feelings, yeah. honestly. <laughs> but if God made, he's a reverend, right? Yeah. Okay. If God made the sun, the stars, the planet, the people, why would any of that be satanic? Because he's like basically alluding to this new world order. Good. Where everyone gets along and there's one government? Yeah. He's like, no, <laughs> that does not work well for church. Yeah. R.C. Christian left a note that was supposed to be read at the unveiling and it was read aloud. It said, quote, our message is in some areas controversial. We have chosen to remain anonymous in order to avoid debate and contention, which might confuse our meaning and which might delay a considered review of our thoughts, end quote. He also said in the note that other stones could be erected outside the monument to mark the lunar movement and other celestial events, which means for a lot of people that R.C. Christian believed the monument would inspire others to add to it. He thought this was going to be great. He thought people were going to be like clapping and like, yeah, we like it. And so then he ended his speech by saying, quote, with the completion of the center cluster of the Georgia Guidestones, our small sponsoring group has disbanded. We leave the monument in the safekeeping of the people of Albert County, Georgia. If our inscribed words are dimmed by the wear of wind and sun with time, we ask that you cut them deeper. If the stones should fall or be scattered by people of little understanding, we ask that you will raise them up again. We invite our fellow human beings in all nations to reflect on our simple message. When these goals are someday sought by the generality of mankind, a rational world order will be achieved for all, end quote. To put the icing on the cake, R.C. Christian left 100 copies of his book, which was self-published and self-written at the unveiling. It's called Common Sense Renewed. And it's basically the same as the Guidestones, but more words. It's like 124 pages, but basically the same fucking principles. The books were supposed to be given to people who contributed the most to the stones, and they were published in Lake Mills, Iowa. If that means anything to anyone, I don't know. R.C. Christian cited Thomas Paine's Common Sense as his inspiration in the book. In the book, it says, quote, Collective human intelligence is capable of discovering acceptable solutions for problems that confront us. We must work together to direct political and moral influence through channels of wisdom, not channels of force or ambition. Using common sense as our guide, we must unite with the entire human family to establish a limited world government capable of settling international disputes through a system of law. We must establish as a parallel objective the building of enduring balance between human activities and the world of nature. These will be the first steps in creating an enduring age of reason, end quote. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm trying to figure out why people are so mad. I don't know. Maybe just because I'm, it's not 1979 anymore and we're like a lot more open-minded and we have access to the internet and we like can read things and think 
for ourselves, but like I'm not understanding. I the only line that gets me like, hmm, maybe this is iffy is the eugenics line. But maybe mm. I'm maybe I'm not smart enough. And these Georgians that were reading it and this reverend knew something I don't know. Because when I read it, I'm just like, these are a bunch of like Banksy artists that mm. like really wanted to stir up some kind of drama in the world. Right. Like what they're saying is pretty vague, except for the like 500 million thing. That's like pretty not vague. But right, the rest right. of it is pretty vague. But Wait. what if I told you that people felt strange energy near these stones? Oh, OK. All right. Now, see, now you're bringing it around town for me because it can't simply be these vague carvings. At the unveiling, there was a bunch of different kinds of people who were there. And some of them were like mystical people. And there was this one person named Noni Wright Backelder who was a psychic and they said that there was something magical about the stones that had called them there. Interesting. And they felt about it. They were just like, these are just magical. And then during construction, that sandblaster, Charlie Clamp, said that he heard disjointed voices and strange music while he was making those engravings. They are coming. Time is almost up. Oh, that's cool. Also, people say that they feel like really strange energy near the stones. According to multiple sources, the stones are very active with covens. There is a coven of witches from Atlanta who go to the monument frequently to do some of their rituals. People have claimed that they see cars around the monument at night under a full moon or during astronomical events. And people say that they've seen people climbing up on top of the monument and putting candles on top of that capstone and doing rituals. Now, granted, it is like an astronomical thing, right? So maybe those people could just be out there like looking at stars and stuff. I don't know. I'm all for there being a coven of witches who meets at these stones once a month and like does crazy shit, obviously. In March 2015, there was a drone that allegedly went over the top of the guide stones and they saw that there was a bunch of bloods smeared there. I mean, the locals are like super convinced that this is a place where sacrifices take place. There's even a woman who got married at the Guidestones. She is a psychic named Nani Batchelder. And Nani even claimed that the Guidestones have lots of UFO activity. But Nani also says that she believes that the true purpose of the Guidestones is going to be revealed in 30 years. Don't know why she thinks that. Maybe someone asked her, like, what do you think? And she was like, uh, it'll, it'll happen in 30 years. And then she was like, God, I hope I never see them again. Don't know. Her marriage ended in divorce. So who knows, like, how good of a psychic she is. She also said she got married there because, quote, there is a special energy there, a healing energy. Granite magnifies it, end quote. Chris Clark, who was like a college sophomore at the time that they gave this quote, said that the stones have, quote, stirred up a lot of talk about devil worship. My brother actually saw cars out there at midnight, end quote. And they say that like Friday the 13th is like a really active night. When you actually ask the Mullinexes like what they think of the Guidestones, Mildred Mullinex says that she recalled, quote, seeing a clan of people camped out there. I call that odd just to be camped out there in the middle of nowhere, end quote. When someone asked her if she thought the stones had mystic powers, Mildred said, quote, it hasn't affected me that way. We use the stones as a reference point in directing people to our house, end quote. So maybe it is sort of mystical and can help people find their house. And Findley himself heard all of this and was like, well, that's just another mystery. Yeah. Recently, the stones have supposedly attracted business and the locals are said to have loved them because they get like 10,000 tourists a year 
here to this like dead ass town but in a very easy to see sort of like symbol of what people think of them I'm going to show you this picture oh wow so Natalia is showing me a picture of the guidestones but they are graffitied Mm-hmm. And one of the graffiti messages says, you will not succeed. Jesus will beat you Satanist. Mm-hmm. The other one says, death to the new world order. The guidestones are a very common target of graffiti and vandalism. Some of the things over the years that have been uh, sprayed on them says, quote, the elite want 80% of us dead. 9-11, inside job. <laughs> death to the new world order. Council on foreign relations. It's ran by the devil. And then also one time they just sprayed it with polyurethane, which I don't know that much about that chemical, but can't be good. I feel like the 9-11 was an inside job was you traveled there and you spray painted <laughs> that on the guidestones. Well, it goes deeper, okay? Because in 2014, there was like this thing someone spray painted on it that said, quote, I banish all darkness. I am Isis, goddess of love, end quote. And this person that did maintenance in the county called the FBI about the vandalism. Oh, because of ISIS being like a terrorist organization? (laughs) I never thought of that, but perhaps it could. This former Elberton Granite employee did this interview for the New York Times, and he said, quote, to some, the monument is the holiest spot on earth. To others, it's a monument to the devil, end quote. I say, why not both? Yoko Ono wrote a song called Georgia Stone where she references the stones and she chants in her song, quote, be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature, end quote. Also, Martin is dead now, but he chose to remain silent about who R.C. Christian really was. And he said that he had corresponded with R.C. Christian for many years after that, but R.C. Christian quit responding to him in September of 2001, right around the 9th. 11 terrorist attacks. Oh, fuck. Then that bitch got blown up a few weeks ago. Wait, so could R.C. Christian have died in the 9-11 terrorist attacks? Could he have been living in New York and died? Or are they trying to insinuate that he was in charge of 9-11? I think that they are trying to insinuate that if he was killed in the 9-11 attacks, then like, why was he there? Like, was it a wrong place, wrong time situation? Or was he responsible? They just really didn't like his anonymity. Yeah, they just they just wanted him to be evil, it sounds like. When maybe he was. We don't know who he was to this day, so yeah. we have no clue. They were really confused by him. In May of this year, there was this conservative governor candidate in Georgia who like talked a bunch of shit on the stones and she said that she would turn that monument into dust if she was elected and like was very violent about it. And then on July 6th, a little after 4 a.m., which coincidentally, remember the July 6th like insurrection? Yeah. Was that July 6th? No, that was January 6th. Oh. Still. Someone actually blew up the Georgia Guidestones and they turned it to rubble. And then like authorities had to demolish the rest of it for safety reasons because they said that the explosion had destroyed some of the slabs that were holding it up and they didn't want the rest to fall down and like kill people. Hmm. Or were they just like, our plan worked and now we're going to eliminate this. There was like a bunch of shit surrounding this monument thing up until it was exploded. And there was like a, I guess some like news going around on Facebook that was said, quote, the Georgia Guidestones, an infamous set of commandments for the New World Order, have been demolished after explosion early this morning damaged them. It said, the most well-known commandment on the stones said to keep the world population at 500 million. Facebook flagged that post as fake news and so then everyone was like ah it's true here's a video of it getting blown up what there's a video of it 
Yeah, because it's like they have security. What the fuck? And they didn't catch who blew it up? Or did they? And they're just keeping it silent. Was it that governor? So the Georgia Bureau of Investigation said, the video showed the explosion and a car leaving the scene shortly after the explosion. No one was entered. If, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, it's a bad angle. I don't know why they wouldn't have a closer up version of this video. And then they demolished for safety reasons. So did they dig up the time capsule then? Okay, so this is an update that I'm adding in post because as of July 11th, according to an article for YFF Greenville entitled No Time Capsule Found at Site of Georgia Guidestones written by Stephanie Moore. Crews dug underneath the Georgia Guidestones and didn't find anything. The article goes on to say there was, I guess, this thing going around on Facebook that was saying that the time capsule was found. And there's a bunch of stuff like that, you know, memes going around saying like, oh, they found the time capsule. There was a meme going around that had a bunch of pictures on it of like, you know, a box that could be the time capsule. And it said that they found the time capsule and inside of it was a Playboy magazine featuring Burt Reynolds. There was a Peterbilt emblem and an eight track of the Saturday Night Fever sound soundtrack and several dozen quaaludes that were found inside this box that was like located where the time capsule was supposed to be. All of those things obviously would make sense because those were all things that would have been popular during the time that the stones were erected. But according to the authorities, those were all fake. That's all just like fake news. And Facebook even put one of their little disclaimers on it that was like, oh, you know, this is not real. If you look at the meme with the photo, people have pointed out that some of those photos are actually just taken straight off of like Google images. So I believe that they didn't find the time capsule with, you know, Quaaludes and the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack and a Playboy magazine, because also that wouldn't even make sense. Like why the fuck would someone put that underneath there that has like nothing cool to do with like creating a new earth. But like I said, all of this stuff is happening so quickly that obviously this episode is even edited with things that have happened since we recorded it. Some of the articles that I'm using as a source for this episode are only like a week old and new stuff is coming out all the time. So fucking, I don't know. Now that everyone is like up in arms about there having possibly been a time capsule found, the Georgia authorities came out and they said that there's no time capsule. The Elberton Granite Association executive vice president named Chris Kubas said that crews dug six feet underground near that marker. They just found compacted red clay and there was no time capsule. And Chris Kubis said, oh, you know, that time capsule marker was placed at the Guidestones in 1982, which is two years after the Guidestones were placed at the site. So perhaps it had nothing to do with the actual site. Maybe it was someone else. So everyone's like, no, there's no time capsule. And I'm like, is what you would say if there was a time capsule. Like maybe we're the time capsule. This episode is the time capsule. My is a time capsule. Let me click on this Twitter thread. Okay. People who feel that they have to destroy monuments are the same whether they wave a Trump flag or an Antifa one. So if you use the 2000 Mules TTD method of geotracking, you should know by now who owns the car or perhaps a cell phone and you guys should be sitting in the driveway right now, right? 
I never got a chance to see it in person. I hope they rebuild it. That's yeah, Twitter for you. Bulldoze the crime scene the same day. Pretty epic. Safety. That's rich. Yeah, they never had to conduct post-blast investigations over periods of days following a bombing of a larger, more complex structure. Five out of six blocks still standing in the middle of the field? Nope. So that person's like, basically like, oh, why aren't they investigating this? It's an inside job. Yeah. Well, especially it's suspicious that, did you say it was the governor? <laughs> this person said, I feel safer already. <gasps> Did you, did you say it was the governor that said she was going to reduce it to oh rubble? God, look at this meme. They were someone who was running for governor. And then after this happened, they were like, no, no, no. I, that was just a metaphor. Like I said, I was going to turn it to dust, like metaphorically. Like I wasn't actually going to like, like commit a terrorist. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. So I bet you're wishing like, I wish I could have seen those stones before they're blown up. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of upset because like, I feel like we, maybe this is some place that would be realistic for us to have visited and filmed a vlog at. Well, lucky for you, someone we know has been there and we can interrogate them. I mean, investigate. I mean, interview. James Allen McCune. People from LGH, you might remember James from the episode we did on Angela Sanford, the MySpace witch. Very true. And we have James here on the line right what? now. Because right now? He has gone to the Georgia Guidestones. He sent me photos of him in front of the Georgia Guidestones, unless those were doctored, which brings another layer to this conspiracy. James, welcome to the show. Thank you James. so much for doing this shitty zoom interview we love and appreciate you oh i appreciate you we're so happy to have you back on thank you for having me i've missed you guys we have missed you too. And I hate to just bring you back on to get a favor to be like, tell us what were the stones like? <laughs> but that's what we're doing. And I want to be transparent. Anything. I'll tell you all the details. <laughs> but also come back on the show as a guest guest. I would adore that. I'll tell you what, the only reason I actually discovered the Guidestones was because I was trying to fill the void in between y'all posting episodes after the Lake Lanier episode. Oh. So, no, thank you guys. You introduced me to my one of my uh, favorite parts of Georgia. Although, you know, I'm not really sure. There's nothing that isn't covered in blood, I suppose. So, <laughs> there's interesting stories behind things in Georgia, at least. Georgia is just a treasure trove of like haunted stories in so many different ways. I Yeah, I listened to that Lake Lanier episode twice because I the second time I went up to Lake Lanier and listened to it while walking around the places you were talking about. Wait, did you, that, did you see, sorry to interrupt, did you see a, the Catfish King? I need to know. I thought about it for months at a time afterwards. I looked... All over that place, seemingly everything was vaguely catfish shaped in that place. So it could have been there, but it was it was a spooky joint. That is a there's some there's something eerie in the air just in Georgia in general, but especially in Lake Lanier, especially knowing there's like a whole village down there full of pe people just living the American dream. <laughs> Well, one of the things that people say about the Georgia Guidestones is that they have like a really weird energy there. And well, mm. I have no way to verify that because now they have been uh, removed from the earth. Yeah. I was wondering, did you have any, like, what was it like when you went? What made you decide to go? How long did you go? Was it weird? Was it a vibe? Did you meet R.C. Christian? <laughs> it once upon a time I, I think i was actually driving home and stopped at a gas station when i f was like looking for other haunted podcasts i ended up like researching it a bunch and was just desperate to find any excuse to go up there but it's not really the kind of thing uh the more i read about what was 
controversial about them, the the less I felt like it was easy to pitch that for an afternoon <laughs> with another person. And I actually You've when I finally every haunted location ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you want to possibly risk yourself or at least listen to me talk about something that you just don't care about for 45 minutes. I I had finally after months found somebody. It was actually a date and it was a hell of a green flag for her and a big old red flag for me pitching this one. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I was stoked as shit. It was a lovely day. And I think that's like the best way to explore dubious things in in the world is is just like find someone who's like as weird as you god i had the best time but i i'll tell you what the journey up there was so strange georgia in general is i mean when you read into the history of georgia before america it becomes a more mystical place like this whole area especially with the mountains and the further up uh, georgia you go the higher up you get so you end up kind of having it just the vibe changes. The air is thinner and it's a little drier, but it's 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 a strange environment. I expected it to be kind of like this reveal to go up there, but you end up just kind of pulling off the road and driving through a town that probably hasn't seen a human being in about 35 years. Sure. It's absolutely barren in this place. It's totally stuck in time elberton uh, yeah yeah well the whole the whole journey is really interesting because you'll see like museums for stuff that like nobody really wants to willingly go look at so it's a confusing environment it's a hick town basically it's out in the sticks but it's also just kind of like a regular old neighborhood like once you get through the main drag which is again through a ghost town you you find yourself pulling onto a side road and then another one and extravagant barns <laughs> just right. absolutely everywhere animals for miles i was absolutely floored at how casual these rocks were just like slept on the side of the road <laughs> it's like sincerely in a completely nondescript area of georgia that has no whimsy to it whatsoever there's like no signage you're literally just driving down some some weird one lane road uh, that occasionally gets kind of busted and just suddenly there is a, a perfectly calibrated monument to the stars uh, just off the side of a donkey farm. <laughs> I, it's the strangest thing in the, just the smallest little <laughs> parking lot. And that's the only fanfare that's there. I, I thought it'd be a little more thrilling. You know, I thought there'd be like, Get ready to see the big god rocks up here or something. You know, it's they call it America's Stonehenge. I thought it would be more fun, you know, more of a thing. Right. Like next exit, the world's only Stonehenge in Georgia type thing. Yeah. I guess it's just because the town is very old fashioned, to put it kindly. And the people there are convinced that someone who chose the name Christian isn't a Christian and built these rocks out of <laughs> Satan's blood and that there would be guaranteed to be sacrifices. I'm sure you go into this deep, but it's it's something that's really baffling, especially when you learn who R.C. Christian actually was. I have a question. Did you talk to any of the townsfolk about how they feel about the Guidestones while you were out there? Oh, this was the other thing. N no, no. Nobody acknowledged each other. There was a bunch of people oh, walking around the stones when you pull up it's just kind of behind a fence and everyone was just kind of quietly like muttering to themselves and, and they would like you know 
they'd touch it and look up and they go, huh, how about that? And then just walk away. And that was kind of the most interaction you got. And there was a kid who threw a fit and we all like looked at each other and exchanged glances. At, <laughs> like oh, Children, you know? So like, who knows? The kid was probably seeing a, a, a ghost angel or something. It's just like a weird, it was a weird space and nobody felt comfortable there except for the donkeys. They were very nice. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if everyone was looking at each other like, is that guy here to do a sacrifice? And I'm here because I thought this was just a meme, you know? Right. Right. It's, it's strange. Cause like we had to kind of wait for everybody else to peter off and you know, it, which, so that it became more fun once everyone left. So it wasn't really like we, we didn't get to get the scoop like I wanted to, but it seemed like everyone else who was visiting might not have been local either. Right. Uh, the town seems to have mostly, dis- they seem to have mostly hated it. Really? Uh, That's interesting because a lot of what I've read has been like, oh, at the beginning, people were really up in arms about the stones and they wanted them to stop the whole entire project. But then after the stones were erected and the dust sort of settled, People were like, oh, this is good because it's bringing business to our city. So like the local business owners really liked it and that they like, you know, had really embraced it. But maybe that was all just part of the Illuminati trying to change the narrative. (laughs) Guaranteed. There's no question that anything you said was inaccurate. It's a weird paradigm because it did bring people. But again, you're just kind of in a bunch of people's backyard. So it's not like there's money being funneled into much more than like, you know, a fish market that really has no business being that far inland. Right. Uh, It's just kind of a strange place to have a a fun tourist destination. And I think that the town just wanted it gone. Like I saw, did you see that tweet from the, um, I think it was the county representative or something that she was like, I'm the only one who's brave enough to attack these monuments and tear down the Luciferian order that's lording over our great town. The person that was like ran for office and who said that they would turn those monuments to dust. And then after they they like literally got destroyed in an explosion, we're like, oh, I just meant that like metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My butt, lady. Now, there's, there's a whole bunch of really frustrating stuff about it. And I again, I don't know if it's a good thing or if I like the monument. I just have a nice memory with someone I had a great time with over there. So like, that's why I like it. <laughs> the more I've read about like who rc christian was i'm kind of confused about what exactly these stones were about at the end of the day it was really cool to see i mean it's honestly it was beautiful work i'm kind of mad just for the artistic tragedy right. that it is because it was really impressive the stones were, were truly tremendous they, they had the, the most elegant carving in them and they were all it, i mean it was it was perfect like the way that they kind of arranged stuff i was very impressed but when we pulled up we actually saw that somebody had thrown something that looked like it had exploded on the side of it there was like soot or something on the rock and i remember i'm just remembering this now but there it seems like it was constantly being attacked yeah so i it's not really surprising that somebody did something. What what surprised me was just like no research into why it got blown up. Like they just imme- the next day tore them all down. Right. But the most interesting thing to me about that was that there's there's a space at the bottom that says to be opened on and then there's no date. The time capsule. It says like a time yeah. capsule was placed here on to be opened on and then there's no date inscribed which is part of the conspiracy yeah that really kind of floored me i remember i remember trying to look into it but not really getting any information but i it, that was surreal you gotta listen to our episode if you want to hear I can't wait 
Yeah. I'm so excited about this. It, the more I looked into it, the more I was going to have to start Googling worse and worse things for somebody to see in my history. So it was like, the, I don't know, it, when, when you start to learn about the guy who, who decided the wording of things, it starts, it kind of on its surface feels like I, I can kind of dig a little bit of what these inscriptions are saying to an extent, but when it starts to have a few dog whistles peppered in, it starts to feel a little weird. So I don't know how I feel about the monuments themselves at this point, but I, I was really impressed with just the the weight of the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the whole thing is like people are like, okay, is this good? Is this bad? What do you mean by that? Uh, what do you mean by like breeding for good? What What is this, you know? Like, uh, they're, yeah. Historically, when like people say that we should cap the population and we should only breed for humanity for like the best version of what humanity is going to be, it like doesn't turn out good. Like it's not like a happy thing. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe these people knew something that we didn't. Maybe they were just like. Uh, talking about sex and they were just like we just need to breed to be happy let's fuck more i don't know <laughs> maybe we're like being triggered and like looking into it too much or maybe we should blow it up too late they already did i think the the infinitely more interesting thing to me about the whole georgia guidestones experience is like nothing really to do with what they're about or what it says, but more to do with just the the strangers in the town that were like, this is different. Right. Burn it. Yeah. Kill everyone. Like there's this really aggressive uh, aversion to anything that feels a, a, in any way antagonistic or just, just foreign, I guess. It's just something that's foreign to people. They want to destroy. I don't understand that instinct. Right. Or anything that's just like critical of the way things are. You know, I suppose I suppose yeah. so. And it's wild because the guy who did it was a religious. Anyway, it's, it's yeah. just it's like this is your dude. <laughs> it was not it was not some other sort of I don't know. The, the idea of the, the satanic panic was also really hot on the heels of that situation. So I, I guess it just never left that little corner of the world. That whole mindset just stuck frozen in time around the, that place. It's so peculiar. Yeah. Maybe that's the time capsule is like, it's just the vibe that, <laughs> well, James, thanks so much for giving us this interview and sharing some photos and just generally being a spooky bitch. Oh, I'm always happy to be a spooky bitch with you two. Please call me anytime. I'm forever a spooky bitch. We're definitely going to have to have you back on the show, but maybe we should give James like a little sign off. James, do you want to do our sign off? You just say BRB gotta go and then a callback to something about the Guidestones. Oh, okay. Uh, BRB gotta go destroy the Luciferian order that's plaguing our country. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So the theories. Theory number one is like a skeptic theory. It's basically scammers. This is a theory that I made up when I heard the story. It's just that everyone was a scammer. Martin and Fenley invented a fake project for a fake guy and then they just paid themselves. And that's why the stones don't make sense and that they misspelled some shit. Evidence to support this theory is how much of a scammer both of those men look like in those pictures. Cause they're like smiling and they're like, oh my God, everyone's, it's working. Okay, wait, the fact that you're saying, okay, you just jogged my memory. If this is a scam, did they have an insurance policy on the stones for damage? <gasps> 
oh my god or even deeper remember how they were saying like oh it's the city of elberton is responsible for cleaning up the rubble and like if the things gets knocked down put it back together is the whole county in on this and they blew it wow. up wow it kind of sounds like it wow. because if, if half georgia the town, guidestones were an inside job hashtag 9-11 equals georgia guidestones but it sounds kind of like half the town really fucking hated it right is what you're telling me like half the town really liked it they're like oh this is great this is a tourist attraction we're making money off of these tourists that's what it said in all the stuff that i looked at but then james who'd actually been there was like no i really got the vibe that they did not like this yeah you're right you're right it was interesting too was james part of this all right tell me theory number two theory number two is that rc christian was just paranoid and he was a dude with too much time and money and he was unstable he was the product of cold war nuclear paranoia and believed that we would need to rebuild society in the event of a nuclear apocalypse remember when they like started working on the plans for the stones 20 years ago which is what rc christian said he was like oh we started this plan 20 years ago that would make it 1959 when they started which was at like the height of the cold war at least mm. in my mind right yeah that's true so maybe he started then he was like <gasps> is it possible they made him up the town made him up well that's what i was saying in the first thing on the first thing i was thinking he was in on the scam like he's just some guy that came in and was in on the scam and what i'm saying is what if he just never existed that's what i was saying he's fake like they made him up that's part of the scam is they're like oh no we didn't come up with this idea for this expensive monument this fake guy came up with this expensive monument and we told him no that's gonna be too expensive don't do it and he was like no but you have to do it and we were like okay you're really persistent you're (laughs) really twisting our arm yeah exactly the next theory is that rc christian belonged to a satanic branch of the New World Order. Alyssa touched on this briefly before. We here at LGH know that the Satan worshippers are probably not like cutting up babies and no, bloods and all that definitely stuff. definitely not. But this theory believes that they are and they believe that the stones were instructions for the few survivors after a mass extinction event. If you don't know what the New World Order is, it's a conspiracy that assumes that the world is run by this like secret cabal of elites who control the world's governments and the economies and that their master plan is to make this like catastrophic doomsday situation where they can repopulate the earth with people who they think are like chill and not people who they don't like and they like are going to remake it with all of their rules and all of their like regulations. Some people think that perhaps these are the people who erected this. Evidence to support that theory is that the time capsule dates are blank because the mass extinction event has yet to occur. Also, that like selective breeding line appears to be supportive of that theory. Perhaps the new world order doomsday cult will ensure humanity's survival by killing off the rest of us. And that's why they're like, oh, it's 500 million, whatever. The next theory is that R.C. Christian was connected to the Rosicrucian order. Have you heard of that? Rosicrucian? No. It's a fabled order of mystics and wise men who came to fame during the Renaissance in opposition to the Christian establishment in Europe. They used the Order of the Rosy Cross to guide them. They supported mystic cultural practices from around the world in conjunction with modern science to inspire an age of reason. They also agreed that humans should pursue knowledge and become more in harmony with nature. And the way that they spread their word during the Renaissance is through a series of anonymous pamphlets that popularized their sect. Hmm. And they hinted at like the secret society of scientists and scholars who sought 
to improve humanity's government, science, religion, and culture through these anonymous pamphlets. Proponents of this particular theory believe that the stones are similar to the pamphlets and they're supposed to spread the Rosicrucian order's values. The age of reason is an exact quote from the original Rosicrucian order. Thomas Paine's book, The Age of Reason, seems to draw this theory as most likely to be accurate. Because remember how the book that R.C. Christian wrote and had distributed at the unveiling of the Guidestones had a uh, throwback to Thomas Paine's Age of Reason, and Thomas Paine was connected with the Rosicrucians. So this is like the smoking gun. Additionally, Paine's wrote Common Sense, which argued for independence of America during the Revolutionary War, and R.C. Christian's book was called Common Sense Renewed. So there seems to be a lot of parallels between the Rosicrucian order and R.C. Christian. Also, the leader of the movement who was listed as head of the Rosicrucian order was someone called Cristiano Rosenkreutz which is similar to R.C. Christian. And the Brotherhood of R.C. is what they called themselves. Their symbol is a rose in the center of a cross, which is similar to the layout of the Guidestones. So overall, they seem like they're probably most likely in charge of this. And they seem pretty positive, except that apparently they believe every 13,000 years, some unknown ejections are gonna fall out of the sky, down to earth, and destroy most of the earth, which will reduce the population, which makes sense why there's gonna be this like time capsule thing and why they're like all obsessed with like uh, the gotta put the slissy and the glass hole whatever it was like there that makes sense but can i tell you my favorite theory yes time machine this one i just made up so it's not that well thought but let me tell you the pieces and you guys can connect the dots the text on top of this monument is ancient like remember how it's like ancient babylonian classical greek whatever and it like says that shit it's ancient so that the ancient aliens can read it and the text on the sides is modern so that modern humans can understand it now but if you're viewing this from uh another planet and you're going like looking at like billions of light years into the past because like that's how space works apparently then you'll see that i'll be like oh that's a message for us Okay. All right. I mean, I'm on board. How do we know what future people or future aliens want? We don't know. Right. So if they're time traveling, then they see that guidestone and they're like, we're here. It makes sense to me. (laughs) Okay. I just Googled, what does R.C. Christian stand for? Apparently, the guy said his name was Robert C. Christian, and that's what he said it stood for, but we still don't know what the C was. But R.C. Christian apparently stands for Roman Catholic Christian. Is like something, it's like an abbreviation that people use. That's what Google says. Like there's all these things about like how to convert to RC Christianity is being an RC Christian good, like all these different things. And when you click on it on Google, it says RC stands for Roman Catholic. Wow, that seems like it would be super easy for me to find (laughs) that out. So that's the first I'm hearing of it though. The mysteries continue to come up. What what? else did you find out about it? I also found out that apparently the makers of a documentary interviewed Wyatt Martin before he died and forced him to show them some of the letters that he had corresponded to Christian with. And they found a postmark with a return address revealing that Christian had written from a certain house in Fort Dodge, Iowa, as well as a piece of mail that had been sent to Christian care of a certain Mr. Merriman. Martin showed them a letter dated 14 July 1998 in which Christian wrote that he was then 78 years old and also stated that Christian had last written to him around the year 2001. 
After they contacted the publisher of Common Sense Renewed, the filmmakers learned that it had been published by a man named Robert Merriman. On the basis of patent applications and political campaign finance disclosures, they identified a physician named Herbert Henzi Kirsten as the owner of the house at the return address, at least from 1981 to 2001. The name Kirsten is a low German variant of Christian. A nephew of Merriman, Kurt Wilk, told the filmmakers that Merriman and Kirsten had been friends. Kirsten was described in an obituary as a naturalist who was very involved in environmental and world population issues, and a local historian, William Sayers Doan, told the filmmakers that Kirsten had been fairly well known in the community for his views about population control. Doan also related that Kirsten was racist to his fingertips. Wait, hold on. So you're saying that Merriman and R.C. Christian are the same person? So they're saying, I believe they're arguing that Merriman was in on it, and the guy who was R.C. Christian was Herbert Hensey Kirsten, and that he was a racist who believed in population control and boasted about his friendship with William Shockley, who was widely known in the 1970s for his belief that black people were genetically inferior to white people and his belief that societies should discourage reproduction by those who he considered less fit. Okay, so now I'm reading that line, that eugenics line, as rather than saying physical fitness, as in like running and stuff, it sounds like this guy, if we believe he was R.C. Christian, believed that certain races are naturally more fit than others, like fit for population. Oh, what, like more desirable. What did, what, what source is that? Wikipedia. (sighs) It's so weird because I read the Wikipedia and I did not see that. It's Which Wikipedia is it? Wikipedia for the Georgia Guidestones. And then when you go down to theories, it says the Herbert Kirsten theory. Hmm. Maybe it was just added because I'm sure people are like updating all the time. Yeah, especially because now the like shit got blown up. And so they're like, oh, let me tell you my haunted theory. Right. But also, how do we know? Here's my thing on any of these theories. How do we know who rc christian like how do we know any of these letters were actually written by rc christian if this was a popular story at the time what's stopping someone from just sending an anonymous letter being like i'm rc christian hi martin like how are you doing today remember how you always call me by my real name yeah Uh, let's do that yeah yeah but Uh, it is interesting that that guy owned that house until 2001 and if we believe he stopped corresponding around 2001 is there a connection there did he sell his house and do or die like or i don't know or get old and senile look i'm almost there well that book that rc christian wrote was published in that place in iowa so so it has to be some connection seems like it also, back in the day, like, if he was going to send all these letters from, like, different places, does that mean he would, like, physically have to go to all of those post offices I and think do so. that? Unless, if we believe him, he had a network of people all over the country, right? All over the globe. So maybe he could just make a call and be like, hey, can you send a letter from your town? And then he'd get call a different guy. Hey, can you send a letter from your town? And then that way they'll all be really confused about like who they're talking to and where we live. I am now wondering if Fendley, the like granite maker guy, was like kind of got like a racist weird vibe from this guy and was like, you know what? I'm, this is why I'm just not going to ask any more questions. Yeah, like I'll take your money. Yeah. The money of a racist is just as good as the money of a non-racist to a bank. It's all money, <laughs> right? Yeah. So he's like, I, you know what? Build your stones. I'll be over here counting your million. But I will say that my favorite theory I have not heard us mention yet. Do you remember 
very recently, this may have even been last year, maybe two years ago, where all of those mirrors started popping up in the middle of deserts around the world. The monoliths. Yeah, like the mirrored cube rectangle things. So in that case, I think we're pretty sure it was an artist, right? And if you look back on Google Maps, somebody realized that one of those, at least one of those, had been in the desert for like 10 years or something. So it's a long con, right? Like an artist goes out there, puts it out there, and they don't say shit for 10 years and they just hope somebody stumbles across it one day. Could this not be something like that where like a group of artists got together and they were like, look, we're going to invent this character, R.C. Christian. You're going to go to Georgia. You're going to con people into building this thing. Then we're going to disappear. We're never going to say shit about it. And then when we all see it on the news later, we'll laugh. I like that theory a lot better than just this racist asshole like is trying to get us to be racist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Stories aren't fun when you're like, oh, actually turns out it was haunted by racism instead of by a ghost. I know like so many of these conspiracy theories that have to do with the New World Order is like, I understand understand that there's like a lot of those have proponents of them that believe that the reptilians are like it's like anti-semitic right mm-hmm. but i'm like why are we letting these racist assholes take away our conspiracy theories <laughs> like do we think that white sheets are racist because the kkk uses them like no fuck you i can believe in the new world order conspiracy theory and not have anything to do with being anti-semitic right like can't i just believe that there's like a cabal of people like in charge of the world and that has nothing to do with race at all or nothing to do with any sort of like ethnic thing at all it's just a bunch of fucking crazy lizard people i think you can believe whatever you want to believe it's so interesting why are the racists like ruining everything it's so annoying to me like they're ruining yeah so much shit I see now what Jamie was talking about, though, when he was like, oh, you know, like, I don't really know how I feel about the stones, knowing, like, who we think built them. I wish I didn't know that when I researched this, because I was, like, very much on, like, the paranormal train circuit. Right. So I was, like, only really taking in information that I thought, like, was paranormal paranormal and, like, spooky and weird and, like, mysterious. And I didn't go down that, like, realistic route. Actually, a lot of times when I see shit like that on Wikipedia, that's, like, someone starts putting, like, as soon as the fedora comes out i exit you know like i'm not gonna wait to find out but in this case it sounds i don't know i wish i didn't know that (laughs) well but also on wikipedia there's a little disclaimer near all the theories and says all of these like can't be proved they're just theories people have there's no like sight and if there are sight like it could be fake also if we think that martin was in on it could he not have framed somebody or like planted maybe he like forged a letter Mm -hmm. with a fake return address and was like hey i already know that everybody hates this guy so nobody will care if i pin it on this guy because he's a piece of shit Mm -hmm. i mean if they never went and talked to that guy because he's already dead or whatever then how 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 can we ever know that's one of the great mysteries i just find it so suspicious that the bank the granite people the lender like nobody ever has a description of robert c christian nobody ever like wrote down hey the guy's about five eight uh white guy uh overweight looks Mm -hmm. angry looks kind of racist looks like this guy we know who comes into town it seems like they were protecting this person almost. yeah Yeah. but to your point maybe just because they wanted the money or maybe because they were afraid remember that guy goes yeah he could put these people could come put a gun to my head so if it was like this i mean so that could go either way it could be like a government person 
super racist person, maybe one in the same. Yeah, I mean, maybe Martin's like, dude, I, I want to know who you are. Like, I really like, you know, this is haunted and I'm excited. And then he regrets it so much because he's like, oh, fuck. Like, now I'm in a position where this could be like a white supremacist serial killer, like the guy who fucking paralyzed Larry Flint. And oh. I have to do what he says. And like, so fuck. Damn. Yeah. With the Larry Flint thing in mind, now that looks a lot more likely. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Could have been someone with ties to a white supremacist group. Yeah. And like we did an episode a long time ago, the Jameson family disappearance, where we talked about a lot of these white supremacist groups uh, in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Yeah. And there was like that whole fucking community that was like on 400 acres of private land. It was called like Elohim or something like that, where it was like basically a bunch of people who had been like uh, connected to murders like Timothy fucking McVeigh or like white supremacists who had like been connected or accused of murder. Uh, that were like living there on trailers and shit and like they were fucking fucked up and people were protecting them yeah and it's like a gang that goes out and murders people and like you know no one can do anything about it because they're afraid yeah no I, I mean it's like if you can't get people to testify in court there was some story years ago about like a biker gang where somebody beat up somebody and they there were like 60 witnesses and they were all in the same biker gang and mm-hmm. the da could not get any of them to cooperate so they ended up having to let everybody go and it, i think it was a murder mm. because they're like well even though we know 60 people saw who did it, none of them will cooperate. Right. No one wants to snitch. Yeah. That's like the reason like the fucking cartel people like never get snitched on because they're terrified that their families are going to get killed, you know. Or Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. That's another rabbit hole that I really we do. need to do an episode. <sighs> you actually need to do it. I want to cover For it. everyone, Alyssa needs to do it so we actually find out what happened. <laughs> but here, the thing about Jeffrey Epstein, though, is like, first of all, it could be like a seven part episode. Mm-hmm. And also... So it's depressing as fuck. Yeah, I know. It's not very paranormal and fun. Yeah. Because there's like children involved and it's sex trafficking and it's fucked. Yeah. But yeah. I guess maybe this story is also depressing as fuck. I don't yeah, know. It sucks. Like, I wish I didn't know that. I was so excited. I was like, oh, there's these weird monuments and no maybe one knows it was an who alien. made them. Yeah. And like, kind of sounds weird. But like, yeah, there's like this time capsule thing. And now it sounds super sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Natalia? I'm still glad that you brought this to my attention because like I said at the beginning, I literally knew nothing about this. And I hate when people are talking about things that are top and I don't know what it's about and then I can't join in on the conversation so now I get to be the Debbie Downer at the party when everyone's (laughs) like did you hear about these weird stones that were erected and then someone blew them up I can be like hey did you know that actually it could be tied to a white supremacist gang and the reason why nobody's come out and said who RC Christian was is because they don't want to be murdered to death and then everyone can be like wow get out of my party (laughs) so thank you yeah and you just leave with like your hands in the air like the end of the breakfast club yeah you know like rocky about? at yeah, the top yeah, of the yeah, stairs yeah yeah. yeah yeah just like freeze frame yeah. <laughs> love that yeah so you want to do our sign off uh brb gotta go uh i gotta go explore the slissy <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 